today, we're taking a break from our focus on spiritual disciplines to gather around communion. Um, but rather than just partaking in communion, I, I want to spend some time explaining why. What is the significance of communion this morning? So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, while you're turning there, I've noticed that something I often forget to do is to celebrate the things God is obviously doing. So I want to tell you something that we're celebrating as a community today. Last month, on July 16th, some of you guys know this, we had our first ever chapel service in the juvenile detention center in Columbia. That is a time to cheer, but that's okay. Um, We had our first ever chapel service. Now, here's the thing. We've been saying for a long time that we want to be a community that takes seriously when Jesus said, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner. We want to take seriously that command of Jesus that when in James, when he says religion that God accepts is this, to care for the widow and the orphan. We want to be that type of community that's doing exactly what Jesus said. Here's what we found out. We found out that as of right now, and this is not to brag on our community, it's to reveal the need that we're the only church that's doing chapels in the juvenile detention center in Columbia. That there's no other consistent presence of Jesus besides the paid chaplain who is there to do that. So God has given us a unique opportunity and calling to be the presence of Jesus, literally proclaiming the Jesus who sets captives free to people who need to see what freedom looks like. So we have the privilege now of going every month with a group of people to build relationships, to preach Jesus, to uh, lead worship, and to hopefully paint a picture of what a life of freedom and hope and healing looks like. Because even if you're in prison, you can have home, family, and purpose through the healing and wholeness of Jesus. Amen? So that is something worth celebrating. And I'm excited about that. Tyler Lynn is Uh, volunteering in the kids wing today he's volunteering everywhere but he had this passion this vision um, a few months ago and he did the work to make this happen and I am so excited to see God bring this up out of our community and for us to be able to say we are a church taking seriously the commands of Jesus that's worth celebrating I think we should be excited about that you think we should be excited about that amen amen all right first Corinthians chapter 11 we are going to start reading in verse 23 it says this Paul is writing He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge your presence with us this morning. We are here for Jesus. Let the name of Jesus be the name that matters to us today, that rings in our minds and hearts today. Anything that's from me, that's not faithful to your word, let it be revealed so we can reject it. But if it's from you and faithful to you, let it echo in our hearts that we would become like you. Jesus is the name we're here for today. Amen. Uh, Can I confess something to you guys? Cool, good. (laughs) Um, For most of my life, probably for like the first two-thirds to three-quarters of my life, I didn't really like communion very much when we did communion. Um, 
I didn't understand the hype around communion. I knew we were supposed to. Honestly, I felt the same way about communion that I did about heaven. Everybody seemed excited about it, but it seemed really boring to me. Um, Anybody else felt like that? When I was a kid, everybody talked about heaven, and they were like, I can't wait to get to heaven where the streets are gold and the walls are gold and everything's gold and you sing all the time and the seas are made of crystal. Right? As a kid, I was like, that sounds like the worst place to spend the day because it's going to hurt your eyes, you're singing all the time. I don't like that. And you cannot fish or swim in a sea made of crystal. That sounds ridiculous. Since then, I've realized that heaven is very different from that. It's actually something, the place that we want to go, um, probably a lot more like the world God intended, he created, than we could imagine. Um, but I felt the same way about communion. It was something we were supposed to do. We did it like once a month or something like that in church because we're supposed to do it but there was all this hype around communion and then you would go up and you would take basically like a tiny shot of stale juice from a little cup and then you would uh, eat this little wafer that stuck to the roof of your mouth. Any of you guys had those? Those things that just like dry your mouth out? It's like eating a tiny wafer of cotton and you were supposed to do that in remembrance of Jesus and it was supposed to be a big deal but then we would go on with our service. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines for the summer and we've talked about how a spiritual discipline is a physical act that creates space for the inner work of the Holy Spirit. A physical act that creates space, that orients our heart to the work of the Holy Spirit so that we can be formed in the act. So a spiritual discipline is something that does not transform us in and of itself, but it's something physical that we do, like intentionally praying or like giving. It's a physical act or a posture that we take that creates space for the Holy Spirit to work because it orients our lives, oftentimes even our bodies, around the truth of Jesus. It orients our life around the truth of Jesus. Now, communion is not really different than a spiritual discipline. Communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, depending on uh, how you grew up, what tradition you grew up in, is not necessarily different from a spiritual discipline, but it is more than a spiritual discipline. It goes beyond a spiritual discipline. Communion is often considered, not a spiritual discipline, but an ordinance or a sacrament, depending on the tradition you grew up in. And what that means is that communion is not just an act of spiritual devotion, but that communion is two things. It is a direct command of Jesus. We would consider communion and baptism to be the the ordinances that we follow as a church, Um, it's a direct command of Jesus. So Jesus says to all of his followers, if you follow me, then you are to do this thing. But it's not just that. A ordinance or a sacrament is a physical act commanded by Jesus that embodies the story of Jesus. So baptism is considered a sacred thing, an ordinance, because in going under the water and coming up, you bodily represent the death and resurrection of Jesus. You not only obey his command, but you physically participate in his story. And in doing that, you are telling with your whole being the story of Jesus. Does that make sense? So Paul tells us that every time we take communion, every time we gather for the Lord's Supper, we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we tell of the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we take the bread and drink the cup, we tell the story. Because something about the physical act, when we participate in the command of Jesus, not just with our minds, but with our senses, when we taste and when we see, we not only remember 
but we project, we display, we tell the story of Jesus. It's kind of like this. Have you ever had a song that when that song comes on, it's like you are back in high school again? Yeah? I'm embarrassed by how many of those are by Lil John, but uh, um, you hear that song and it's just like you are living, you're in that place, you are dating that person, or you're in that breakup again. All of those emotions come flooding back because it's not just, you don't just hear the song, but it takes you back to the story. That's what communion's like. Have you ever had a place that you love to go to and you go to that place over and over and over again and now you don't go there so much because of the place but you go there because you've been going there for so many years that when you show back up in that place it's like you're retelling the same stories and you're reliving the same memories there is a levee on the west bank of the Mississippi River that every time I go there, there's nothing special or sacred about that place, but every time I go there, I remember as a youth pastor and here at the fold, leading students in worship and seeing them share the gospel for the first time with a stranger. And when I'm in that place, it's like all of those memories are just as real as they were then. It takes me back to the story. It's like retelling the story, not just to my mind, but to my body, to my soul. Communion's like that. We physically put ourselves into the story in an act of obedience with Jesus. Do you have a meal that you don't even like the meal, but you eat it because that's what your mom made or because that's what you ate every Sunday when you were growing up? Or you go to that restaurant every time you go to town and the restaurant's not good anymore, but you still go there because being in the place and eating that food it's like it puts you right back in that place when you were a kid. Have you experienced something like that? That's what communion's like. It's a physical act of obedience that doesn't just orient our heart with a posture for the Holy Spirit to work. It plants us into the story of Jesus. It's like we relive the story over and over and over again so that when we take the bread and we eat the cup, or we eat the bread and drink the cup, we tell the story, we experience the story, we remind ourselves body and soul that Jesus died, that our friend Jesus lived and died so that we could be reconciled to him. So here's what that means for us. It means that when we go to the communion table, we bring everything that we have now to be reconnected to the story of Jesus. Whatever your life is actually like right now is what you bring to the communion table to be replanted and reminded of the story of Jesus. Communion is not salvific. The work of Jesus on the cross is what saves us. But communion plants us back into the story so that once again we see our lives through the lens of the death of Jesus, proclaiming again that he not only died, but he is coming again. So, if today you came into church gripped with guilt and a sin that you've fallen back into, 
and you feel like that shame is just choking you out again because nothing has really changed in life, then you bring that to the communion table and you say, Jesus, I still feel like I am controlled by this sin, but your story tells me that you defeated sin and death and that my sin is forgiven through your death. So you bring that reality to the table of communion so the communion can tell the story of the death of Jesus to you and to your soul. And the Holy Spirit can meet you in that moment. You bring your reality. Listen, so many of us come to church imagining that we have to project a reality, not be who we actually are. We imagine that coming to communion means things have to be fixed before we get to the table. But that's not the idea of communion. The idea is honesty at the table. In fact, Paul goes on later and he says that sometimes people take communion recklessly and there's judgment for that. But what he tells them to do is to examine themselves so that they actually know that it's the body and blood of Christ that they're participating in, so that they know what they're actually bringing to the table. They're not coming to the table as if it's just a party. They're bringing their real selves to the table. So today, if life has been going well and you are celebrating and you are enjoying everything that God's given you, then you bring that to the table and you plant your life in the truth that Jesus is the God of the mountain, that he's the God of victory, that as James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. So you come to the table and you taste the bread and you taste the juice because we are technically a Baptist church. So uh, you taste that and you celebrate with your taste, with your senses, the goodness of Jesus and his victory but if you come to the table today feeling like it's the worst season of your life and the hardest moments of your life then you come to the table today bringing that reality saying I believe that God is the God of the mountain but also the valley that he is the God of victory but he also knows my defeat and I bring that to him if I come to the table feeling like he is with me in the fire then I come to the table celebrating but if I come to the table asking where he is in the fire that I plant myself back into the story to say he died and is with me. We bring what is actually going on in our lives to the table so that we can be reconnected to the story. That's why this is a sacred moment. That's why this isn't just something we do as a ritual for followers of Jesus, though it is a commanded ritual or practice for followers of Jesus. We do it not because we are supposed to, but we do it because it is crucial for us to be continually planted, connected within the story of Jesus. We do it because life is constantly telling us other stories. We do it because sin is constantly saying nothing changed. Because Satan is constantly saying nothing's gonna get any better. So we tell the story of the death of Jesus so that we can tell ourselves, body and soul, that Jesus is king, sin has been defeated, and our hope is in him now and his coming again. We reconnect ourselves to the story. So here's how we're gonna prepare for communion today. There's gonna be a couple of questions that are gonna be up on the screen. And I want us to take about five minutes of silence. I realize that silence is terribly awkward but we're gonna do it anyway. I realize that perfect silence is actually impossible, so if someone coughs or sneezes, don't look at them, it's fine. We're gonna prepare our hearts so that we come to communion examined. 
And once again, the goal is not to come to communion perfect. The goal is to come to communion honestly, knowing what this actually means and bringing our honest selves to be reconnected to the story of Jesus, replanted within his story. So the first question I want you to consider, I would highly recommend journaling this in your phone or if you've got a journal with you. If you don't have a journal, it's perfectly fine just to consider these. But I believe it's helpful to write it down. First question is, what am I bringing to the table today? And this question is just, what, what is actually going on in your life? Are you bringing doubts? Are you having a hard time believing that the table actually matters? Have you, are you having a hard time believing that your prayers don't just bounce off the ceiling? Bring your honest self. Bring your honest self to the table. So write down or consider what you're actually bringing. And the second question is, what do I need to remember of Jesus as I receive communion? What in the story of Jesus is the thing that connects to my reality? Do you need to remember today that your sins are forgiven and defeated in Christ? Do you need to remember today that Jesus sweated drops of blood under anxiety and stress so he knows what it's like? Do you need to remember today that Jesus had a really complicated family situation? What do you need to remember from the story of Jesus that will replant you in his story so that you can tell the story of his death until he comes again? I'm gonna pray, we're gonna consider in silence, and then we'll take communion together. Jesus, as we seek to examine ourselves so that we can be honest as we come to you, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would meet you as we consider, and then that we would meet you at the table of communion. We love you, Jesus. Let's spend the next five minutes in silence.